This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. I'm going to just kind of go as quick as I can and catch up to where we are today, but this will be our final uh, session in our, our, our sermon series on find, feed, fight, and today is going to be follow. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you, if you could, to turn to Mark chapter 16, uh, excuse me, Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 20. If we could stand up just in reverence to God's authoritative word, Mark 1, 16, if we could just stand, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen Come, follow me. And Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Let me repeat that. Come and follow me. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Jesus. Heavenly Father, we ask that this morning that you would help us to uh, hear your word and then act on it. Lord, I pray, God, that you, we would hear your word and then act on it. Lord, I pray, God, for your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. You know, the Bible says the, the wise man builds his house on the rock and the unwise man builds his house on the on the sand. And, but what, what does the rock represent? Usually when I make an announcement at a conference, everybody says, Jesus, and, I, and they say it out loud. And, and technically, yes, in the broader spectrum, it's Jesus. But the story of the house that was built upon the rock is the act of obedience. Hearing the word of God and then doing it is like a man who builds his house on the rock. The man who hears the word and doesn't do it is like a man who builds his house on the sand. And just so I'm praying that the Lord would help us uh, to, to heed his word and begin to act it out. A long time ago, about three, four weeks ago, we talked about finding and we talked about uh, how important it is of the invites. And I pray that God is using you to begin to invite people into your life and so that you can begin a journey with them in sharing the good news and and we talked about finding we talked about the importance of the invite and how a person uh, invited me and it changed my trajectory i in a second i'm going to ask you in a few minutes actually to begin to think of someone who was important in your life that invited you into the fellowship with jesus and i might call on you to to say it out loud but think of it Who was that person that actually took time to invite you into the fellowship with Jesus, whether it be uh, your family or your friend, but to begin to think of that. And we talked about how important it is to uh, begin to be used by God as, as we begin to find people. If we can go to the next slide. And so we talked about how God finds, and we talked about how Jesus finds, and we talked about how the Holy Spirit finds, and then how God is going to use us to help find people. 
And then three, two weeks ago, going to the next slide, we talked to the importance of hospitality and how it's going to be risky and how it's going to be challenging. And I pray that, I pray with all my heart that your motive is to glorify his name, that your motive, that you wake up every morning as a believer is like, what can I do to glorify your name this morning? What can I do to expand your kingdom? What can I do to advance your kingdom? And so the motive for Christ is, is a desire to please God. We're not trying to build a corporation. I'm going to say it again this, uh, later on in the sermon, but we're not trying to grow a group. We're not trying to fill pews. That's not our motive. And, and again, hospitality is, is to glorify God. If we can just go to the next one. Jesus turned the concept of hospitality around because we're not using it as a social status or to get connected. I actually heard someone tell me one time that he goes to a certain church for there are a lot of connected people in that church. And it shocked me a little bit because that's not why we uh, go into churches so that somehow we can meet a realtor or somehow we can meet a banker. Or somehow we can meet a teacher. All those things that uh, we're using for our personal gain. And so Jesus really turns, turns that all around. Uh, so then we talked about... Uh, if we go to the next one, that uh, hospitality is a bridge that covers the gap between people of different regions. If you invite someone to your house, you are, you are a bridge builder. You are connecting two lives together for his glory. Let's go to the next one. We offer hospitality because that's what we do as Christians. And then we talked about fighting Are you willing to fight? Last week I talked about a story of fighting. Are we willing to fight for one another? If you haven't seen someone in our fellowship in a long time, are you willing to just get on the phone and call them? Fight a little bit, just a little bit, for the kingdom of God. Are you willing to release your good friend that you spend so much time with that you'll probably be friends for life. Are you willing to release that in order to fight for someone to build a relationship so that the kingdom of God will expand? Are you willing to release this awesome friend that you get along and you harmonize and you guys are just awesome buddies and you say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend a little bit of time with a new person because they're not that connected. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to fight for the kingdom? Are we willing to, to put on the gloves, if you will, to expand his kingdom, to, to, to say, you know what, I'm going to release Convenience. I'm going to release comfort. I'm going to release, you know, just this camaraderie that we know that will probably be friends for life so that I can build a new friendship with someone who may not be so connected to the kingdom of God that needs a, a good friend. And I want to be that person. I would love to see that happen in our church. So we're willing to fight. That was our picture from last year uh, week. The next picture was the most important picture. Are you willing to... Uh, let people speak into your life or are you willing to speak into someone's life? Last week I talked about this story. It's a, it's a base, it's a true story. Uh, it became famous in this book called Longitude by David Sable. And you can see it all sorts of different bookstores. But on, on uh, October 22nd, 1707, there was a convoy of British naval ships making its way back from Gibraltar from Spain to the south coast of England. 
And it was foggy and it was cloudy. And that day, something was being invented. But it wasn't invented yet. It was this, uh, the chronometer. It was this device like a watch that would help give time and, look, and help with the longitude of ships. And up to that point, it was very risky. They were still using, uh, you know, maybe archaic systems and how to navigate. And so here's this young midshipman. His last name was Harrison. And he did his own calculations. And then he went to the admiral while they were transporting the ships. And he said, sir, I think you got it all wrong. And actually, we are dangerously close to some small islands and rocks. And if we're not careful, we'll crash into it unless we alter course. And the admiral had that midshipman hung on the spot for mutiny. And the young man turned out to be right. And I don't ever want to be that person when someone comes into my life and says, Mario, I see that. I see some things in your life that aren't right. And if you're not careful, this will happen to you. If you're not careful, this is going to happen to you spiritually. If we're not careful... And so, but a lot of times what we do is we buffet our lives from allowing anybody to speak into our lives. You know, we, 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 we just don't let them. Sometimes we use anger as a buffer. Like, hey, I, you know, I want to talk to you. Hey, you know, get off my case. You know, you're, you're just so judgmental. And those are all little tactics that the enemy uses to build up this real quick wall. It's kind of like Fortnite. See what I mean? You build up this, this quick wall so that no one can speak into your life. So we use anger or we use, uh, you know, or we'll do like this captain did and just hang someone. Meaning, of course, we're not killing anybody, but we leave them out of our lives. And we say, you know what? We're not going to, we're not going to let you speak into my life. So I'm going to just separate myself. I'm just going to separate myself from those that can speak into my life. Sometimes we do that with parents, right? You know, like, you know, as, as, as adults, we don't want to hear from our parents. Maybe they see something in your life that hasn't changed throughout the years. And now you're an adult. Maybe you're in your 20s or 30s. And, you know, you're still, you're still showing signs of what you were doing when you were 12. But we don't let them speak into our lives either. And if we're not careful... We're not going to listen to people, and this is going to happen. And so the challenge was last week was to fight. Or sometimes God will use you, and maybe you're afraid to speak into someone's life, but you know, you see it. You see it. God give you the strength to speak up. All right, today we're talking about follow, and we're going to finish up our series with following Jesus. As we already read in Mark chapter 1, Jesus says, come and follow me. And that is what a discipler is. Are we following Jesus? The Jesus way. Not the Mario way. Not the Mosaic way. Not the American Christian way. But the Jesus way. I actually heard one time someone tell me that he didn't like the whole concept of small group and discipleship. It just didn't fit their group. And the... Where I'm thinking, this is not just some idea that we came up with. 
This is not like a, you know, a 21st century concept of how to do ministry. This is how Jesus did it. And so I, I was shocked to hear that someone says, I don't want to do it the way Jesus did it. You know, that, being a follower is it being an imitator of Christ. And so I pray that all of us uh, are true followers. I believe that if you are following Jesus, it should be evident by you following him. Does that make sense? If somebody's going down this, this path right here and you said, I'm following him, but you're actually walking down another route, then you're not really following Jesus. So if we're going to follow him, let's make sure that we're behind him and following his footsteps. Let's, not, let's grow up and at least admit that there are areas in our lives that we are not following him. But today we were going to talk about follow. And so in Matthew, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, if you've been here 11 years, actually our church celebrates next week 11 years. Um, 11 years ago, uh, my very first sermon was John 3.16. My second sermon was this, a sermon series. And the Bible said this is the Great Commission. Jesus is wrapping up his ministry and uh, he has gathered all the disciples together. You know, he's, I'm about to go. I want to talk to you and have this last chat. And he sits down at a rock or on, uh, somewhere on a stool. And he begins to tell his disciples these last few words. And he says, when they saw him, they worshiped him. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times when we're young, we just hear the word go, and we do. We just go, right? I had a good friend of mine, Mason Corwin. He was a great intern. And I would say, Mason, I want you to go to the union. And next thing you know, he was literally gone. But he had no idea what he was going to do with the union. Like, Mason, come back, come back. But look what he says. I want you, uh, he says, baptizing them, go and make disciples of all nations. So making disciples is following Jesus. And then uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. And 11 years ago, we began this series, what did Jesus actually command us to do? Can you answer that? Can you actually answer right now in your head the commands of Jesus? So we went through a series of weeks that began on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We started with that, and, and that has really resonated still to this day in our how we understand the gospel through the very first thing that Jesus taught. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Anyway, so anyway, so following Jesus, if we're going to follow him and hear his words and then act on them and build our house on the rock, then we must do what Jesus tells us to do. And he tells us to go and make disciples and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Now, the word is observe, and it's not obey. 
You can get a dog to obey. Sit, most dogs. My dog is still learning. But you can get most dogs to obey. But they have no clue why they're obeying. The word is observe, and that means it takes a little bit of intellect. It takes a little of, you know, understanding why Jesus is teaching us to observe all that he's commanded. So we are a community. We're in this together. So I see people, I see Enrique and Ross in the back there. We are there together. This, This is part of the community. We are here together. I am connected to Enrique. You're connected to Enrique. You're connected to Ross. Ross is connected to you. And so we are a community. We're not designed to do this alone. I met with some college students this morning, uh, this week on campus, and I tried to explain to them, please do not try to do this alone. I've been here 25 years. I see what happens to students who try to do this alone. And it doesn't bode well. It looks like that, that ship that's wrecked in, uh, on the coast of some island. So we're part of uh, God's family. We're not alone. We're not lone rangers. It's funny that I used that reference one time with college students, and they said, what is a lone ranger? And I'm like, how can you not know who the lone ranger is? Anyway, anybody who knows the, who the lone ranger is? Just a few of us. <laughs> like the older people are like, uh, this is a side note. I was watching um, the Ponderosa. Is that what it's called? And I noticed her house. It's like, it's not that big. I used to think it was like a mansion of a house. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I digress. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, and pastors, and teachers to equip, to equip his people for works of service. And so if we're following Jesus, you either fall in two camps. Ready? And actually, you've always fallen in two camps. You're either being equipped or you are equipping others to equip people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. So you fall in two categories all the time. Well, at least you should. You should be equipping others, and you should be being equipped. So here's the thing. We're not trying to build a crowd. But we are trying to build followers. Our motive at Mosaic is to build followers, disciples, those who are equipping and those who are equipping, being equipped as some of you are parents, I think I have a picture of, of, yes, I do. Have you ever been with an uncooperative person? Anybody, like your kids? I mean, do they always do what you want them to? Have you ever met an uncooperative person? Maybe it's been your own child. Uh, Eric, my son-in-law, comes to our house uh, to pick up his kids and and he'll, from time to time, will tell me a story about an uncooperative student. That's tough, isn't it? Isn't it tough when your kids are not cooperating? They throw, I saw a little kid melt down at a store the other day, and I just chuckled, you know, because uh, we've been there and done that. Uh, but can you imagine? I, I've seen it uh, too many times, and it happened to our kids when they were growing up. Uncooperative 
uncooperative. And I'm praying, as this little girl depicts, can you imagine if a little girl did that? Speak to the hand. I'd like to see the next picture. In a Spanish home, it'd be like a, the chancleta would be out. <laughs> there'd, be a, there'd be a mark on the side of her, on her uh, Spanish girl's head. Um, but I digress again. Sometimes, as believers, talking to us, we can do this to God. Speak to the hand. When he says, I want you to reach out to someone, speak to the hand. I want you to reach out to someone new, uh, speak to the hand. I want you to reach out to someone that you don't necessarily get along with, speak to the hand. So it's not just little kids. If we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have to hear his instructions. Like from a parent to turn off the TV and start doing your homework. We don't want to do that. Because you know how much you hate it. And if you got, your kids are really, really small, you're going to hate it. All right? It's no fun. And so we have to be careful that we're not being flippant with Jesus, with his commands. See, someone, uh, I, I met someone says they, you know, they, and I don't mean to make light of it, but their issues of sin is not so much what bad, the things that, you know, they're not doing the bad things like smoking and drinking and, and cussing. But there's so many things that we do wrong by not obeying the command of God to love our enemies, to love our neighbors, to open our homes. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about in our series that one of the things uh, that we say is that we don't have time. We don't have time. I think that's, I, and I understand that we, I, but think of it. I think it's a tool of the enemy to create such a life in our, such a uh, busyness in our life that we don't have time to do the command of God. It's like a, a person who says, I don't have enough money. I just read something in the news. There was a guy, it was a homeless guy, and he gave his last 20 to someone, and somebody caught it on, on video. The video went viral, and they made a GoFundMe page, and the guy had $400,000 in the GoFundMe page. Now, I don't know the details. I only read a few of the headlines. But that money is gone. It's only been a year. 400 grand, gone. So it's not a money issue. It's not a time issue. There's something else going on. I get these ads. I don't know if you get them on your Facebook app because you're a different age than me. But, you know, mine will like, if you can run a nine-minute mile... Your life insurance will be like, you know, 20 bucks. So I have to tie myself. Um, you know, I get those little things. If you, it, basically what it's saying is this. If you cannot run a nine-minute mile, you're at high risk, right? They're just kind of changing the words a little bit, a little bit more positive. I am saying, as your pastor, if we don't have time to be hospitable, Something's not right. Something is not right. If we can't, if we can't jog 100 yards, 
Something's not right. We don't have time to reach people. Something is not right. I don't know what it is. You're going to have to ask the Lord to help you. But God is calling us to follow him and make disciples and to observe all that he's commanded. That's what a follower is. Jesus says, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, I want to be that. Blessed are the meek. I want to do that. I want to follow him. So the things that are important to Jesus should be important to us so that we would never give the hand, speak to the hand attitude to the Holy Spirit. We don't want to be flippant. Sometimes we have to fight and we have to work hard to reach someone. I literally was, um, I was not a good person growing up. And some of you have heard most of my stories. I was glad to hear Jenny tell me the story I told about me fighting. She'd never heard. Okay. So it was a new story. But I remember one girl telling me after I was sharing my stories, um, her name was Brooke. And she goes, Pastor Mario, after hearing all your stories, I'm glad I didn't know you when you were young because I think you were a jerk. And you know what I said to her? You're right. I was. But for some reason, even in my jerk state, somebody saw my potential trajectory and went through the weeds of that jerk stage and reached me. Because that person was able to see past that Mario and could see the potential of what God could do in his life. Who did that for you? And that's what I'm going to ask you in a second. Literally, my, my youth pastor, and here's a sad story. My youth pastor is not doing so good spiritually. He had an affair on his wife. But he reached out to me. He waited through the I was literally a jerk. I was told not to go to a Christian event, so I went anyway by myself. And I was able to gather some of the youth kids to come with me and be rebellious at this youth conference. I know we don't have any little kids. That's a jerk. I was that person. But that didn't stop him. That didn't stop him. (laughs) He kept trying, coming after me. And he did. I was 18 years old. I was a jerk for four years in his youth group. And th- there are stories I'll never tell you. I'll never tell you. It would, you would not be able to comprehend it. That's the kind of jerk I was. But he saw past me. And I'm asking you, if you see someone that's behaving a little jerky, see past it. See past that. Parents, in-laws, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, friends, family, co-worker. See past it. I'm so glad my friend Rick Bussey did. I'm so glad he did. Because he was following Jesus. Somehow he got lost, but he found, Jesus used him to find me. The pastor worked hard. The youth pastor worked hard. Jesus says, come to me and I will make you fishers of men. And that's what God is, he could see 
if God could see it, I couldn't see it. I don't know how Rick saw it, but somehow he saw in 2018, I'd be standing here in front of all of you. How? This girl, Holly, invited me to youth group. Then I was a jerk for four years. And then uh, the, the Lord used Rick to get a hold of me. Then I, then I was a jerk again for two more years. I went off and I was rebellious. I didn't follow Jesus. I followed my heart. I followed what I really wanted. I followed my heart. And my heart was dark. Again, and I went off to Western Carolina. Two years. Stories I'll never tell you. It's how horrendous they are. I'll never tell you. Jesus washed them clean. Thank you, Jesus. So if you see me jumping up and down, it's because you, you're like, why is he jumping up and down? He's got a bad knee. It's because you don't know what I used to be like. I'm only giving you this tiny little bit, little, little bit of what I was like. And I gave you so much, this, little, this girl tells me, you were a jerk. Like, yes. Thank God. Someone reached past that. And so anyway, let's move on. Jesus was never looking for a crowd, but he spent his time ministering to people, to people. The woman at the well, the, the woman that got caught in adultery, sinners. Here's the thing. Let me just challenge you too. We have this concept. If we hang around sinners, we might get the disease, right? <laughs> I picked up a little kid the other day and that snotty nose. I'm like, oh no. You know, I kept thinking I'm going to get sick. Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus touches the unclean, and the unclean becomes clean. But we struggle with that. We think if we touch the unclean, we're going to become unclean. Let's follow Jesus, all right? Let's follow Jesus. Let's not follow our fears. Let's follow Jesus. And so Jesus was never looking for... uh, He was never really looking for the crowd. He wasn't trying to build a crowd, but he spent his time making disciples. And God is calling us to do that. You know, how do we make disciples? I wanted to put a depiction of how to eat an elephant, you know, one body at a time. But I decided to put the next depiction is this. Start by doing what is necessary. Then do what is possible. And suddenly you're doing the impossible. Dr. Pete one time talked about tithing. And I'm getting a little, he says, listen, for those who don't tithe, just tithe one dollar. Just do what's necessary. Just one dollar. If, ne- if you're not a tither, you don't give to the church because of all sorts of reasons. And there was a season I didn't either. Get in the habit of doing one dollar. If you've never reached out to one person, just say hello to one person. Just say hello. Start off small. 